Hello everyone, welcome back to Kinseido Corner. On episode 31 today, uh, I've got a guest from literally across the world, the other side of the world, uh, sitting in Canada. Um, it's coach Matt uh, from Primal Mobility, founder and uh, head coach of Primal Mobility. You can check them out on Instagram and I'll, I'll link to it. Uh, he does some really incredible stuff. So I'm really, really happy to have him on the on the show today. And we're going to dive into uh, many, many different topics and many different areas that he works in and that um, he also worked with uh, with me on uh, early on. That's that's how I got to know him. So welcome, Coach Matt. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm stoked to be here and have a, a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, so excited. Um, so maybe we can, since I've kind of teased that you're doing lots of different stuff, maybe we can start with a with an area that is um, perhaps of interest as the kind of CrossFit Open CrossFit Games season is is getting underway or is is fully underway with the with the Open and the quarterfinals just done. Um, you work with uh, with several high level CrossFit athletes. Um, uh, I think among them you you once worked with Emma Lawson, the the fittest teen of 2021. Um, so what's kind of share a little bit about how you work on mobility with these with these high-level athletes, and um, yeah, what you do with them, what um, uh, how that kind of how that looks, and how that fits into their training. Yeah. So when you look at the protocols that games athletes are following, it's it's a much higher caliber than the general population of crossfitters and weightlifters, right? Uh, their their routines that they're going through, they're much more strict through training, their nutrition, their sleep. Um, so what we like to do, regardless if it's a CrossFit Games athlete or, you know, a high level weightlifter or just, again, a general population CrossFit, you know, weekend warrior, we like to try and mix and mix our programming, our coaching within what they're currently doing. So we take a close look at their schedule. We take a close look at their lifestyles, which plays a huge part of mobility. Um, you know, that's something we were chatting on before we hopped on the recording here, but that plays a big, big part and something that if you are looking to improve your mobility, you should always have a look at what does your lifestyle look like? And we can get into a little bit more of that. Um, and yeah, so we look at their schedule, we look at their lifestyle, we look at their training protocol and we try and tailor everything to fit in within that that it's very sustainable and very manageable. Because if you look at a CrossFit Games athlete, their schedule is hectic. And, mm. um, you know, they're training quite a bit. And when they're not training, they're trying to rest <laughs> as much as possible. So the last thing we need to do is tax them even further than what they're currently being taxed. Um, and mobility training is a form of strength training. So we have to be cautious not to create more DOMs like onset of muscle soreness. We have to be cautious not to uh, fatigue them too much before a training session and things like that, uh, which tend to be a lot more of a, a deeper focus when you're working with somebody at that level. But really other things like the majority of it doesn't really change much. It's just the goals are going to be similar to whatever anyone else has pretty much. Um, but in terms of like Emma Lawson, she's somebody who, she's young. 
her mobility is incredible. <laughs> so um, what we've been working on with her mostly is the, her control of her ranges of motion. She has incredible flexibility, deep end ranges of motion. And we want to make sure that she has good, strong control of that so that injuries don't come up down the road and she's not just randomly forced into those deep positions under heavy loads, like a, a heavy snatch, for example. She has good control of it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Do you work, um, when you work with high-level athletes or generally with professional athletes, do you work with them uh, in a remote capacity like you do with most of your regular clients or, or are you actually, do you, you feel you have to be or are you present uh, in, a, in a kind of face-to-face -face capacity with these athletes we have never met any of our athletes face-to-face -face physically okay. so you know we hop on calls with them uh mm -hmm. from time to time catch up learn more about their goals how things are going and and just kind of like set a new perspective a new game plan <clears throat> when needed mm -hmm. but realistically it's all the same as any other client it's it's all done remotely that's so cool that's so cool because there's obviously there's often a, a discussion about uh and i don't even know if that discussion is is being held at at the professional level or at the, the level of where these athletes are at but i feel like in in conversations with normal people they often they often doubt the value or they or they discount the value of of a coach that you're not seeing in person right they're like yeah but I, he can't help me do this if i'm if it's online he can't do this and clearly you know well what you're doing is showing that that's just not true <laughs> that's um yeah a hundred percent and i'll say that there's there's no real substitute for a coach that you see in person like that is the highest level of coaching i think mm -hmm. um And I respect that and I value that for myself and I value that in my business before we turned this company into a complete remote company. Um, but yeah, we're still able to coach at a very high level remotely and we do everything that we can to make sure that we sustain that high level as well, right? Like when a conversation needs to be had and it's just not working out through, um, through messaging communication, sometimes mm -hmm. you just need to hop on a call, right? And it is that simple. Um, you could do video calls, you can do kind of live sessions, which we don't frequently do, mm -hmm. but um, there are different ways to get those, get into like the nooks and crannies of coaching that, that you might not be able to have as at, at as high of a level mm -hmm. if you're remote for the most part. Yeah, 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 There's totally. ways around it. Totally agree. Um, so one other thing that you mentioned earlier was like how you how you how you start your deep dive by just basically looking into these um, athletes' schedules and, and, and lifestyles. Um, working with athletes of that caliber, surely um, you are just one of a team of coaches, right? So there's obviously their 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 main CrossFit like strength and conditioning coach, then possibly a nutrition coach. Um, whatever else there is um do you sometimes or do you work with them or do you sometimes feel that what you're trying to do is competing with what they want their athlete to do how is that dynamic work out yeah we try and like as i said we try to tailor our work as closely to their current protocol that they're doing right because we want our mo like we want the mobility to essentially supplement what they're trying to do within their career their athletic career right 
Um, there, you know, if you look at anyone else that comes to us or that generally tries to improve their mobility, they're usually like, I want to lift for longer. Um, my back hurts, my hip hurts, something like that, right? They're just trying to get out of pain or it's rare that they come to us for longevity sake, but that generally is what it is with a CrossFit Games athlete. It really is a longevity pursuit um, where a lot of them don't have super high end requirements necessarily in terms mm -hmm. of like what their goals are. Like they're not really coming to us with, generally speaking, with um, a bunch of herniated discs and like chronic back pain, right? They wouldn't be at the level that they're at mm -hmm. if they're if they're struggling with that, that mm -hmm. high a level of a pain. Um, but yeah, what we try to do, like uh, Emily Rolf, for example, she's still currently one of my clients and um, her husband programs for her. So I'll mm. occasionally get on a call with her husband and we'll chat about what they're focusing on, especially as we approach like bigger events like Dubai and the games and stuff. Uh, we'll hop on a call and just try to get a good game plan going. And I always tailor my programming to what their current approach is. And again, they're my clients, right? So if mm. they're like, They'll message me sometimes and just be like, uh, my shoulder's been kind of sh uh, showing signs that there might be something going on. And I'll be like, mm -hmm. okay, let's take a deeper look at this. And then like start addressing whatever needs to be addressed, uh, especially if there's like anxiety that's built up around it. But yeah, we try to make sure that it's, it's tailored to their programming and that there's no competition whatsoever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you just touched on, on perhaps injury or uh, like, overuse symptoms so i suppose i mean these athletes at that level will also be working with physios and um, and so forth so you're you're probably more in touch with with that side than than the than the head coach who's basically programming their their sets of back squats and stuff kind of all of the above like we will again we're remote right and mm -hmm. we have physio uh, pts on our team and stuff mm -hmm. like that so if <clears throat> if some if one of our athletes comes to us with uh their their pains are looking like it's a potentially serious injury i'll refer them to one of our pts on our staff and they will often just give them some insight like you need to go get this assessed whatever else right so we try when necessary we try to get them involved with some kind of a, a professional to make sure that there's some like physical hands-on eyes at the situation mm. to make sure that we're not exacerbating anything and making things worse and that we actually know for a fact that we're addressing the situation the way it should be yeah yeah okay that that's cool and it, that's obviously i mean i'm I, i'd love to chat more about yeah your kind of your business and how you expanded from from the i think when we started working together you were a one-man show a couple of years ago and obviously now yeah. you're, just, you're just talking about a team that that you have that that's that's really that's really inspiring that that's awesome and i want to get into that um but since we're still on the kind of competition and crossfit topic um how have you worked with the athletes specifically throughout competition so i mean quarterfinals weekend was was a couple of weeks ago do you like how do you work with them in between workouts and sure recovery or is that even something that you do or is that something that at at the point where it's actually go time your your work is kind of done how, how do you see that yeah a lot of t it it really is like that for the most part when it's like games week we often don't hear much from those those clients at mm -hmm. all they're very focused and we're trying not to 
add any kind of stress whatsoever, but we're there if they need us, right? So we're just a message away. Um, but each athlete is going to be very different in what they're looking for. Um, generally speaking, the two weeks prior to a big event like this, we won't be changing anything. We'll keep the routines, the programming exactly the same. So we're not addressing anything new and creating new ranges of motion that are unfamiliar for their training. We don't want any surprises on the, mm -hmm. on the competition floor, right? So we try to keep things as, as similar as possible for the two weeks leading up. And then when it's games time or uh, game time, I should say, because any event really, um, each athlete's going to be requesting different stuff. Some of them want more specific like warm-ups. Some of them just want recovery routines, like a general recovery thing to follow. Um, some of them just want to do their own thing. And we respect whatever they want to go through, right? So uh, we will obviously have some advice on what they we think that they should do. And we kind of make like a plan that way. But otherwise, it's we try to leave as much of it up to them because they know their body better than anyone else, right? Okay, cool. And yeah, just as we kind of segue away from the competition topic, just because you um, you touched on like general recovery routine, and I think this could really be something that's obviously interesting for all the listeners. What is your recommendation? Like, if if I just came to you and said, okay, I wanna I wanna do a, a local competition. Uh, yeah, something, and I want to recover between events. What, what's your, what's what's your one size fits all recommendation? Um, gentle, flow based exercises are are usually very very good. Full body type stuff works very well, and if it's not going to be full body, then more specific to the ankles, hips, and the thoracic spine, which we call the primal big three. These are the three main areas that we believe have the biggest play in how the rest of the body moves. And especially if you're between events, you don't want these areas kind of like seizing up for lack of a better mm. word, because it'll just impact the, the performance for the following events. So targeting those areas with full body flow type movements or specific uh, flow type movements to those areas would just be very helpful. Anything that's going to help kind of calm the central nervous system the nervous system in general to you know elicit mm -hmm. a, a response of recovery cool right cool. awesome yeah so yeah. perfect perfect i will uh, <laughs> i will keep that in mind the next time i yeah uh, i and get the, on. the opposite goes for a warm-up right mm -hmm. you, you kind of just want to look at what what is your, the intention what is the goal that you want out of this specific routine and you need to kind of have something that elicits that response so for a warm-up you kind of want the opposite of a recovery routine. You want to prime the joints. Mm. You want to kind of rev up the, the nervous system and prepare it for heavier loading or higher intensities so that it doesn't tax you so quickly, right? So it's like kind of the opposite effect, but you just look at the intention of what you're trying to achieve and then just base things off of that. That's that's cool. That's awesome. Um, makes total sense. So yeah, let's let's move away a little bit from the competition thing. And uh, we've already touched on um, when you started. Um, I think before the recording, you told me you started about three and a half years ago. The, the company um, Primal Mobility. Um, obviously, as as many online trainers, you started you started as a as a one man operation. Um, how yeah. Share, tell us a little bit about, about this journey. How did you, well, first of all, how did you get into coaching? How did you, um, did you come from an athletic background or did you have 
injuries that led you to be focused um, and interested in mobility. Um, yeah, let's let's dive in anywhere you want. This is a this is one of my favorite topics. Obviously, it's yeah. uh, for me. I still struggle to believe that mm. we've made it as far as we have, and I wouldn't be here if in this situation if I had tried to do all this on my own. So I want to make that super clear. My team is is what makes primal mobility so powerful and i love that but yeah as you said um that all of this started a one-man show right so I, I started primal mobility september 15th of 2018 was when i took on my first client um and the reason i created primal was uh, i was a personal trainer for about four years prior and I was struggling with my own injuries, chronic pains as well. Like um, I had debilitating sciatic pain for a long period of time. Uh, hip impingements, I couldn't squat past 90 degrees, like stabbing hip impingements, they were pretty bad. Uh, seven, six plus, I don't know if it was actually seven, I kind of lost count after six, dislocations on my left shoulder. Um, there was a lot of weird things that I was struggling with and had no real good answers to. Um, and I was doing all the foam rolling, all the, you know, stretches, banded stretches and stuff like that to try and alleviate my discomforts. Did all these injuries come from having been an, an athlete uh, of some sort at a, or, or were they like sports accidents? Yeah. yeah. Sports, um, all sorts of sports and just like goofy, ridiculous accidents. <laughs> um, so like at, at a certain point, the first dislocation I had on my left shoulder was a sports accident. Um, and then at a certain point, I would literally dislocate my shoulder, just like swimming in the water. So there was very little stability left in, in that joint. <laughs> there was no tension left whatsoever. But anyways, there was, there was a lot of issues that was happening. And obviously trying to stretch a, a, a shoulder that keeps dislocating, trying to stretch away the pain is just, it doesn't make any sense. It's like trying to, uh, you know, empty a pool with a, a fork. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't make sense, right? Um, simply because the joint needed more tension, it needed more stability, and I was trying to stretch away the pain. It didn't help. Um, so I was trying to find more answers, and so I started taking more, uh, more courses, certifications, and stuff, and it really built up a, a big passion around it. Mm. And I think part of that passion was stemmed from um it being pretty lucrative and mm -hmm. it being a, a an area that not many other coaches were diving into and mm -hmm. so i saw an opportunity for myself to just dive head in and kind of do nothing else mm -hmm. and just be the guy for mobility um so i i found it as an opportunity for me to niche down and for that uh i think a big passion grew and you know, I can I can go in very minute details for this story and make it very long, but I'll try not to do that. But um, I made the decision to take the business online because at first it was it was in person in a studio, and mm. I decided to take it online. And when I made that decision, again, I saw the opportunity and how lucrative it could be, and I decided to just completely shut down my in person business and mm. go head first online. I said, I'm going to make this work. I'm a hustler. I, um, I have the vision. I know I can do this. 
And then for six months after I launched, I was making $400 a month. Um, so I couldn't pay my car bill, couldn't pay my mortgage. Uh, I had a child that I needed to feed. <laughs> um, so it was a very stressful time. And then, um, you know, the, the way the team started was that I was working with um, a very high level weightlifter um, at the time. And she was, she had a physical therapist as well. And the results that we were getting myself and this client, um, her physical therapist saw them and was just kind of mind blown by it and was like, how are you doing this kind of thing? And so her physical therapist reached out to me and said, I'm not sure what you're doing, but I need to be a part of it. Cool. And uh, so from there, that kind of blew my mind. I was like, the physical therapist wants to come in and join my team. So she joined the team. Her name is Chelsea. She's still working with us, mm. Coach Chelsea. She's amazing. And that right there, that moment right there was a defining moment for the company, I believe, because that opened my eyes to different opportunities and different doors that I never actually thought was possible. And so kind of one thing led to another from there. And, and now we have a team of seven coaches and uh, 200 plus members. And, and now we're working on a public certification course to help other CrossFit coaches and weightlifting coaches and affiliate owners kind of learn our ways and, and increase their bottom line. That's yeah. Wow. That, that's super incredible. And I mean, um, you, you mentioned the kind of starting off and, uh, starting off as, as well, as a single operator with, with only a handful of clients to, for a total revenue of 400, $400. Um, two things that I kind of want to pick up on those early days. How much did, um, how much did the, the kind of, and cause I know you took it, how much did the online trainer Academy, um, and the certification, how much did that, did that shape your initial um, business setup and, um, and and how you how you kind of started off or how you also made the decision from going as from personal in in person personal trainer to online. Yeah, before I dive into that, I kind of mm. want to give give clarity around. Um, so just to give perspective, the four hundred dollars a month I was making, my car payment was six hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> because I know you're gonna have people listening for it with different currencies and stuff like yeah. that is not not enough money no 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 um, i know yeah <laughs> it was a bad time but um yeah the ota was extremely impactful extremely impactful so what's awesome is that i signed up for the ota because one of my friends was taking it another uh personal trainer that i had known for a while he took it or he was taking it or had taken it um and was just raving about it and how cool it was and so i decided to take it and while I was waiting, I'm not sure like what the wait period was, if there was a wait period or why mm -hmm. I was waiting. Um, but I took his textbook from him, <laughs> his OTA yeah. textbook. And I just consumed the whole textbook before the course even started. Mm -hmm. And I made a business plan before I even started the course. And I was like, this book is insane. Mm -hmm. This textbook is absolutely insane. And from there, I think, um, the OTA, an amazing course and, uh, provided me a lot of tools to be able mm -hmm. to start primal in the beginning. 
Um, but I think what's been more impactful is just uh, the inspiration on a daily basis that John Goodman himself uh, yeah. provides me. And he's just somebody that I really look up to, um, both as, as uh, a CEO of a company and mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just a, a very inspiring guy and he's so down to earth and approachable and I always wanted to be that way as well. Um, I find it strange when, I mean, depending on your success and your the height of your celebrity mm. status, I suppose, uh, at a certain point, you're gonna wanna stop being approachable, but mm. I've always liked connecting with people. Um, mm. But yeah, OTA was massive and John Goodman has, himself has been really big because I've been a fan of his since like yeah. the early PTDC days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I was consuming yeah. that content early on. Right, because you were you were a personal trainer, right? So I mean, the stuff that he was, mm. the stuff that he was putting out at first, and I I got to admit that I wasn't I wasn't really kind of aware of of him and what he was doing before I'm gonna say before 2017 or something, but. Nonetheless, that's already five years from uh, five years ago. Um, what I was going to say is that yeah, I, I totally agree that he's uh, he's very approachable and his like his his presence online seems very genuine and very um, authentic. And well, and, and just the fact that I that I I had him on on my on this show um, a couple of episodes ago, and that's I mean that's that's just the level of approachability that that he has, right? He comes on these these, these shows that have a, a handful of listeners. And then he doesn't mind to spend his time there. So that, yeah, totally agree. He's a he's a great guy. He's always open to helping, which is the big thing. For sure, for um, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm. Uh, I don't know how. I guess. Are you still? Because um, I know when we when we worked uh, together, you were using Trainerize as your as your kind of delivery platform. Are you still? Are you still using that, or or, um, or are you using a different a different um, or maybe even your own tool by now? Um, yeah, we actually still use Trainerize. It still makes sense for a current business platform. Um, we're at, I, I think we're at like one of their highest mm. tiers now. Um, Must be. And yeah, 200 yeah. yeah, well, I think we have the $500 package because what we still do is those, we still run uh, quarterly challenges and now we bring them into our platform and do it directly through our programming. Um, so we still use that and it still makes sense. Um, Trainerize, what's great is that once you start getting into their higher tiers, mm. you can uh, customize your, the app. So everyone that signs up, like, mm. they're like, your app is incredible. How did you make such a great app? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do shit for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so they customize it. Like they take your branding, your colors, your photos, and just like put it all in like you work with their designing team and mm. it's it's fantastic it's a great tool but that that being said uh we do have plans to create our own in the future um but mm. trainerize i'm a big fan of it there's there's ups and downs for sure mm. like we've had some things with them where we were considering other platforms that may suit us better but um when push came to shove trainerize has always been there for us and they uh, they continue to have features that just fit us a little bit better. Like for us, 
being a, a mobility coaching company, mm-hmm. um, our videos, the, the videos that we use to coach, uh, they're all custom, like mm-hmm. created. And Trainerize allows us to host all of our videos within the platform as opposed to through YouTube and then through the platform. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know that. And my videos are on YouTube and I just link them in. So you can upload them to Trainerize now. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what I've done since day one. Is that only because of your higher tier plan or is that? No, since day one, I've been doing that. You can, and I saw a lot of value in that because, mm. um, well, the, the clients that we have, they have access to our full exercise library. Right. Mm. Mm. Um, and we saw a lot of value in that and just having it within the platform, first of all, because I didn't want to put all of this up on YouTube. Like we have 200 plus custom made videos, mm. like studio style videos, like they're high quality. And I really just didn't want to put those up on YouTube and then transfer them over constantly. So I just have like a big, basically hard drive stuffed with, <laughs> with these right. videos. And uh, I just like transfer them over to Trainerize right away. And it's super convenient nice nice yeah okay and obviously i mean it's a it's a smart move on their part as well that it does tie you into the it does tie you into right into them it, yeah right it, it 100%. You. um nice 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 because i i guess I, why i was mentioning it is because obviously and I'm, I'm sure you're aware that john had announced that they were working on their own their own platform the quick coach and quick um, coach yeah. I'm, I'm obviously i'm still waiting for my access but it's going to be it's going to be exciting because the one right? the one thing with the trainer rise is that because of it, it's difficult to run challenges um, and just have like 10, 10 or 20 new clients coming in who are paying maybe nothing or, or a very small amount because you then need to go, you need to go to the next tier um, and, and that's, that can be costly, um, especially if these are free clients. Um, but that's a digression. Um, cool. How much, uh, maybe just to throw in another name that, that most people um, in my audience and, and in, my, in, this, in this space know, how much did the stuff uh, that like Kelly Starrett and so on is putting out, how much did that influence your early, your early stages of, of wanting to be or of seeing mobility as, a, as, a, as an area that, that makes sense? Um, I, that's a good question. Um, Kelly Starrett was never really the, like a huge inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to take anything away from him because obviously he's been a pioneer in the mm-hmm. space. And I genuinely believe that what I'm currently doing is made so simple because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he is probably the person who has made mobility famous. Mm-hmm. Um, fam- I say the word famous, but like more commonplace. For sure. And so he's made the he paved the way for us. Um, but that being said, like, I never really loved his style or, or necessarily really felt like it was impactful for me, or maybe I didn't really know how to use it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the direction that I took was less like soft tissue type work. And we focus a lot on developing control, better awareness and connection to your ranges of motion and your body in general. Hmm. and uh, strengthening and deep end ranges of motion. Um, So it's hard to say because there wasn't really any one Hmm. very like 
person that was deeply inspiring to this kind of whole journey. It was, I guess, a concoction of many different people. Um, and a lot of which were actually not even in the fitness industry in terms of like, who's inspired me in terms of like business wise. Um, right. But in terms of like fitness education and in the fitness industry, it's hard to hard to put a name on it because there, okay. I, I get inspiration from so many different places. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, cool. So, and we, we were chatting about this earlier, um, before we started recording and, and I think it's a, it's a worthwhile segue and, and interesting to, to people. We've talked about the, the work that you do with high level athletes and, and then how that kind of, how that, how your own journey came together, but how do you, what's the kind of, for lack of a better word, what, what do you, what do you do and what do you see with normal people with, um, and they can be people who like CrossFit, but just, you know, the regular, the, the majority of the 200 plus people that you, that are your clients, what, what's that, like, what, what makes them come to you and, and how do you work with them? Um, yeah, so there, I, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. <laughs> so we'll try and, um, mm. kind of put that into as much simplicity as we can, but there's, I mean, everyone, everyone has different goals. There are, there are kind of like these different goals can kind of be clumped into categories. There's back pain, shoulder pain and injuries, right? Um, knee pain, all these kinds of things. And these are generally the things that we will see when people come uh, that approach us to work with them. Um, and there's commonalities between all of them. So when we see somebody with knee pain, we don't, and this is kind of like a, one of our golden rules and just like a, a value that we have or, or something that we live by at Primal is that we never simply look at the symptom for what it's worth. We, we understand that the symptom is simply a story being told to us. And we like to dive deeper and find what that story is stemming from, right? So looking for the root cause and, um, every issue for the most part has common root causes right so let's say somebody comes to see us for knee pain mm. we will uh well of course we have to look at how the knee's working because that's just how you assess someone you should be looking at the the joints but we often understand that it's going to be a, a discrepancy between hip and ankle right so we look at how's the internal hip rotation How's that doing? How's the range of motion there? How's the control within the hip in general? And then how's the stability in the ankles? So usually it's a very restricted hip and a very unstable ankle. And those knees are kind of all mangled uh, from that. And regardless of what the situation is, if there was a knee injury and that's where the knee pain is coming from, if you improve hip mobility and you improve ankle stability, you're going to see progress uh, within that still because there's less stress being placed on the knee joint through certain ranges of motion or through certain movements, I should mm -hmm. say. Right? So it's just like there's commonalities between these different goals that make it a lot easier for us to jump in and start making progress with someone really quickly. But also we got to make sure that these, these results that we're creating can can do something for a longer period of time than just like a, a one day thing or a one week mm -hmm. thing, right? We want these results to stick. But I mean, that that 
starts jumping into human behavior and stuff like that because no program will last forever. You mm. can't just do one exercise and assume that for a week and assume that three years later, those results will still stick around kind of thing. Mm. So who, human behavior is a big, a big part of it, habits, um, but also just helping clients understand their body on a much deeper level so that they can have the tools themselves. So we like to kind of teach the why behind the stuff as well. Um, to dive in a little bit deeper, I'm not sure if this was part of your question uh, because I ramble a lot, but um, <laughs> uh, if you're looking for like commonalities in terms of like what people come to see us with, mm -hmm. um, again, we like to follow the primal big three, the ankles, the hips, and the thoracic spine, uh, simply because those are the three biggest areas that have the biggest play on how the rest of the body moves, but they're also three extremely commonly uh, limited areas. So those three areas will often have some, some kind of discomfort or some kind of play towards other discomforts. So uh, ankle dorsiflexion, often a very weak point, hip internal rotation and extension, both extremely commonly weak, and then thoracic extension as well. If you look at the, you know, this is something we were chatting about earlier. Mm. Um, the, the habits of our society these days, the lifestyle, um, on the low end of the spectrum, people are sitting for six hours a day and you're going up from there basically. Mm. So for the average individual, especially in like the Western civilization, people are sitting for a minimum of around 10 hours a day. Mm. And our bodies are kind of creature of habit as well as our minds. And it doesn't necessarily like change or it doesn't, it kind of fights change a little bit initially. So if you're somebody who sits for many hours a day, your body's going to try and pull itself back into that seated position as much as possible until you start like changing your habits, right? So if you look at the seated position, the ankles are in a neutral position, generally around like that 90 degree position. Your knees are at about 90 degree uh, flexion your hips are at about a 90 degree flexion and then your thoracic spine, you're hunched over your keyboard or your phone or your desk doing some, some type of work um, in a deep flexed position through your spine, right? So that's kind of like going back into that fetal position almost. Mm -hmm. And so our bodies don't get much extension through the hips, through the thoracic spine. Um, and, and these are all common things that we see. And a lot of it comes from the lifestyle, which is what I was chatting about earlier. Is, yeah. um, if you're somebody who works at a desk and you're struggling with back pain, struggling with, you know, there's a whole conversation to be had about posture, which I'm not a huge believer in necessarily. Um, not sure how I feel about that, but um, if that's something that you're concerned about, you might also want to just start looking at your habits. Stop sitting down so much. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. To be blunt. Yeah, no, totally. And like, like uh, I think one one thing that you just mentioned there is um, kind of a side point, but it's the it's the Western society, right? So because obviously here here in Indonesia um, or in Asia in general, you see people squatting as their as their way of sitting, right? They're, they're basically squatting on the ground and, and reading the paper or, or, or eating or something. And um, yeah, and, and of course no one, when they, when they squat for leisure, they don't, they don't try to pay attention to 
neutral spine and all that thing. So they do sit with a with a bit of flexed and rounded spine, but they sit all the way down, right? And, and they can sit there for hours, which which is completely unfathomable to me how you like how the how the ankle can do that. But um, but yeah, if you if you get that kind of uh, stimulus um, every day, it uh, yeah, you don't and, lose it. Exactly, use it, use it or lose it, right? And and, and unfortunately, most of us have lost it. Um, yeah, you also mentioned yeah. that that you had you had kids. So I guess, are you are you conscious? Obviously, and I have I have a son as well, and I I saw how he was able to move and squat when he was very young, and thankfully he can st he still can. Are you consciously doing something to make sure your kids? preserve their their natural range like are you are you already thinking of training them so to say to make sure that they don't lose it yeah that's uh, yes i i have that perspective a lot but it's also a slippery slope that i'm cautious of as well because i don't want to impose my obsessions mm. on my kids um it's actually a little bit of a fear of mine like i i want them to be themselves i want them to grow up with their own passions and and i don't want to have a massive influence and like make them feel forced into a certain mm. direction mm. however i do want to have a positive impact on mm. who they become and and how they feel as they grow up so yes um you know we have a a, a really nice home gym in the basement and like today for example um you know, through the winter, it gets really nasty outside and uh, it's a little harder to get out with the kids. And so maybe we would normally throw a movie on while we do work or something like that on a weekend. But for today, uh, today, for example, we brought the kids down and we all did a workout together. My daughter's two, my mm. son is five. And, you know, we had them doing dinky little kids stuff, but it's more about just like have fun in a gym mm -hmm. space. Um, and one of the big things that my son is in and that like, this is something that I've, uh, really tried to instill in him was hanging because that's mm -hmm. something that not many people are very aware of the power and impact that hanging has just in terms of decompression through the spine, um, the, the overall structure of the shoulder joints and how it creates space within the joints and allows freedom for tendons and nerves um and he's he's obsessed with hanging now so little things like that um i i try to do for sure like i don't necessarily get them to hold a squat very frequently which maybe i should um mm -hmm. you know thinking of it in hindsight but um little things like that i try to instill in just different mindsets are more of like what i try and put into my kids is like a positive growth mindset yeah which is something i didn't have for the first mm. 25 years of my life which is probably why i'm very conscious of trying to instill that in my kids is that this is what's going to change your life not necessarily yeah. a specific event for example yeah. right yeah yeah totally and i mean this is a completely different discussion but that's like i something i think about as well is as a parent you're always trying you're focused on you're mostly focused on perhaps something you didn't have and and then right. you go you go completely in that direction 
And then the next generation will be like, yeah, awesome. Now I have the growth mindset, but no one ever did ABC for me. So now right. I'm going to do that for my kids. It's, it's like, like a zigzag, right? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> there's, there's so much to focus on with kids and it's like, you're never going to get it all right. And for the most part, as long as, as they're happy, that's one of the, that's one of the main things for sure. Right. So it's hard being a yeah. parent's hard. That's a whole different conversation, but shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry well, i don't know if i can no that's fine it. yeah that's cool um no i mean but i mean it i don't think any anyone any kid any person in their right mind would later on say i wish my parents hadn't made me hadn't hadn't laid the basis for me to move pain free right why, why would they for sure why would they say that right so um so yeah i think we are we're, we're okay to generalize that that's that that's something we should be doing um, agreed yeah as long as it's not like a cobra kai type situation <laughs> you know yeah. sit in sit in a deep squat as like punishment and stuff <laughs> like that it's it's more like try and and, and create a, a sense of joy around it as opposed to fear and shame or anything like yeah that. yeah like, exactly. you see that sometimes right but exactly exactly cool well awesome i mean matt i'm i'm conscious of time and i know we're coming up on on the hour so i'm, I'm really really pumped that, that we got to speak um it was really really insightful uh, and i think very very interesting and also actionable for people um what um yeah maybe just to to kind of wrap it up tell us what what you're working on uh, as you mentioned your business going from one person to seven uh, working on this certification maybe tell us a little bit more about what's kind of coming up for for primal and for yourself um and then where where people can check that out um your website your instagram whatever what, whatever you want to um lead people to and then we wrap it up from there yeah well again thanks for having me on it's always a, a pleasure and every once in a while i always love getting a message from you or hopping on and, and shooting you a message and just catching up so that's always nice and even better to be able to come in here and chat with you. Um, but the, yeah, as I said, the direction Primal's going right now is is um, like we're very clear on the fact that we're that what we have is special, and impact is something that's very important to us. And we understand that once again, um, strength is within numbers. And um, in order for us to have a deeper impact, we need to impact coaches on a deeper level. And that's kind of the direction we're trying to go is, is to be able to arm and equip more coaches to have what we currently have, to be able to have an impact on their clients. And um, that's the, the overall bird's eye view of the direction we're trying to go is, is help coaches on a deeper level so that they can, again, increase their bottom line and have another source of revenue if they choose. Like if they want to start uh, being a mobility coach and offering that service within their affiliates, but also reducing the amount of like churn that they have, like um, member dropouts because of injuries and stuff like that. Uh, that's, that's the direction we're trying to go because we see that if we can be successful with impacting coaches, then we can be successful in impacting the general population of CrossFit and weightlifting athletes um, in terms of longevity. So that's where we're trying to go. And yeah, uh, Instagram is our main source of marketing at the moment. We're looking at different platforms over time, but 
you guys want to check us out and what's going on, you can always look at Instagram and you'll be able to see our community and a lot of the stuff that we coach our, our members through and just get an idea of the type of mobility training that we do, which often, interestingly enough, just looks like accessory work, which is why I'm always fascinated about what people think when we say like, we're training mobility and they see like a very deep lunge. Mm. They're like, you're just lunging. What are you talking about? <laughs> but it's really about like the, the differences in the details and um, the intention of the movement very slightly. And yeah. that's where you can start training your mobility through just your general training too. And that's a whole topic I could talk an hour about. Exactly. Right. No. I, and yeah, I mean, I know we are trying to wrap it up, but that is exactly, that is exactly a good point, right? Mobility training doesn't have to be or look different from training, right? It is, it's not, it, everything is movement after all, whether you're trying to lift heavier weights or whether you're trying to move better everything is kind of training in the end um, so 100% and it is the same essentially mm -hmm. it is the same so what it comes down to is just applying your ranges of motion and that's what we are doing with these people with our mm -hmm. clients our members we're just helping them apply their ranges of motion we're getting them into deeper ranges of motion that are not often challenged and we're having them put work in there mm -hmm. it's it's kind of that simple and anyways, it's it, like, it's, it can be as complex as you want to make it because anything can be extremely complex, but the more you can simplify it, um, one, the more scalable it is, of course, but the more impactful it can be, right? So we're trying to make it to a point where we can make all this stuff very clear to somebody who has no fitness experience. Although mm. that's not our demographic whatsoever, we want to make it that simple. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like you can improve your squat depth just by focusing and intuitively applying more range of motion in your squat. So reducing the weight slightly and just working on trying to get a little bit deeper in every rep, right? So you're, you're going to sacrifice your, your one rep max training for a little while. Um, but you can do that, right? Or just applying your overhead position a little bit more, that kind of stuff. Right, right, yeah, and and as you, I guess as you were just alluding to, basically you're gonna sacrifice your your training for your strength goals or your engine goals or whatever for a while, in order to hopefully come back in in a better shape later. But yeah, impatience is is the curse of the modern day, right? People people think like, sure. oh, I'm, I'm gonna miss two months of my of my strength cycle. Well, you still got 20 years or, or 40 years or whatever it is, but nonetheless, people. Um, people myself included always seem to be like very very edgy around around that um yeah any any timeline for your uh, certification or your or your your course um, any target there uh yes yeah of course we have uh, some deadlines that we're working towards um they're still relatively up in the air simply because this is not a small project mm. and it's like one of four projects mm -hmm. that we're working towards like we're trying to build somewhat of an ecosystem within the company uh just to solve more problems as you know when you create a course there's naturally going to be a problem afterwards that needs to be solved and we're kind of realizing those problems and we understand that more projects will have to be built um but our standards are incredibly high for this 
and we don't want to sacrifice any of that. So we're we're looking hopefully by the end of the year mm-hmm. um, to have it all said and done and have uh, the beta cohort have gone through and an official launch by end of year hopefully. Cool, cool. If you are if you're gonna open a a sign up list for the beta cohort, put me on it. <laughs> I'm, I'll be happy to be there. Uh, Excellent. Yes, we will. We will. And that's good to know because I'm going to be kind of recruiting. Cool, cool, cool. And maybe last thing, and this could be a good a good uh, wrap-up point and something for people to jump on, your quarterly challenges. Um, that's I think that's how I obviously got got to uh, got to work with you, and it was it was amazing. And like it was it was really astonishing to see the kind of changes that I could make in just seven days. So, when's the next one coming up, and how can people get on that? We do not have it up yet, although it's going to be um, it's going to be an ass to grass squat death challenge, and we're likely looking within the next two to three months that we'll start preparing for that. So the best thing to do is just start following us on Instagram. Um, we're we're slowly moving away from the challenges over time. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're, they are extremely taxing on the team um, with the level of quality of care that we try to bring in mm-hmm. for each one. Um, and it's, it's very intensive. So we're trying to slowly move away from that. So no guarantees when it'll be, but we're looking at one to two more challenges throughout the rest of this year. And the best way to kind of stay on top of those will be just following our Instagram page. We'll, we'll be dropping a lot of information when that time comes. Sweet, sweet, awesome. Good to hear. And uh, yeah, I can imagine that getting an influx of, of, I don't know, dozens of clients at once that all um, that all need need the same or, or should should get the same level of attention as a regular client because obviously that's that that is the the input funnel as well, the intake funnel. Um, yeah, that can be very taxing. Well, thank you again, Matt, for your time. This was really really awesome. Um, great to catch up. Uh, after after quite a bit of time that has passed since um yeah. I'm, I'm always i'm always following your facebook uh, group and uh, and uh, yeah it's great to see great to see how you what you've achieved and how you've taken the the company from the one man show to to well to a proper company to something that's yeah, that's being built and that's um, that has potential to expand um that's Thank really you so much man. really really inspiring as well obviously um my own online coaching journey is uh, is slower and is behind behind your curve but um it's great to see what's what's possible so yeah thank you and um, wish you a great rest of your weekend uh, and a great rest of the month as well thank you matt thank you